This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business. Hi, I'm Didi Chan. I'm the co-founder and president of Future Proof Retail. What I love about fashion tech is that fashion is how people express themselves, and technology keeps making that easier. From New York City, you're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Mark Rico, and uh, also here is the uh, very astute-looking Mr. Puff and Ball. Hi, Puff. Why do I call you Mr. Puff and Ball all the time? Uh, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Also, the astute-looking now. I'm, I'm just like, really, just showered with uh, compliments from you all day I, today. I think the next time we record, Puff, and I'm going to have a few... Uh, negative descriptors lined up like dastardly or you know i think it might be my new bun i'm sporting do you like this it's a new there's a it's brand new i i actually had it going right up in the middle of the uh, earlier today and it was i looked like a teletubby a bit (laughs) well also here with us if you haven't noticed her laugh in the background is of course uh didi welcome to the show didi we're so happy to have you here thank you for having me here so uh, I'd love to start in this place, uh, and I don't know if this question seems on the mark or not, but I'm still gonna still gonna try. Uh, so your company is really about the personalization and convenience of e-commerce shopping to physical stores. So the question I have is. Is and, and I would like to preface this by saying I'm not trying to present a challenge here. I like a challenge, not a problem. <laughs> More how you respond to this, because I think therein is a big part of your value prop. Are you setting up the physical stores to have less value by what you're doing? Or are you? Are, would you say that this provides an opportunity for amplification of the physical store's existence? Well, I think if you look at like e-commerce is really exciting, it's great, it's helpful during COVID time, but we started this because I love shopping and most people love to shop. It's like experience, it's not buying. It's it's not just about convenience, it's about going into the physical store and like seeing everything that's possible, touching it, buying it, picking it up. Um, So e-commerce specifically in fashion and in grocery has had the slowest adoption. It's growing, it's growing fast, but majority is still taking place in person. So what we're doing is we're taking the technology piece, the best of online shopping to make in-store more convenient. Now make it touch-free so it's more secure and safe and clean, as well as offering the personalization capability. So we're really seeing uh, the future of retail, the future of retail stores. The stores are not going to go anywhere. So we're actually enhancing the store, bringing it to the digital age, which is why we're future-proof. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I we'll take a quick step back and just uh, let me lay out the foundation of the technology is really like you're talking about um, counterless checkout, right? So I could basically scan something. Uh, and that's at the very, very basic way of explaining it. So I could go around a store, a grocery store, uh, maybe an airport um, kiosk or wherever it might be a stadium. I, I saw you do some stadium activations, scan something, it, it attaches to my mobile, I mobile check out and I walk out of the store without having to talk to anybody or staying in a queue, which I absolutely love. The first time I saw this was like Amazon Go, of course, like most people. Um, is that what it's uh, based off of? Like in terms of the timeline of developing your company, where were you in terms of when Amazon started uh, deploying the, the the pilot stores? We were way before Amazon. Ooh, tell me <laughs> um, everything. Yeah, so we started in uh, 2013. So I actually mm -hmm. met my partner in a philosophy club. So everything we do is like with the foundation of philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, we bonded over the value of time in a very nerdy way. We want to maximize human potential by removing frictions in time, mm -hmm. all kinds of friction and the friction and shopping. It's perfect. I love to shop. We don't want to wait easy. So at 2013, end of 2013, when we met and we start kind of putting our ideas together uh, and we were looking at the space and the thing we observed was that as popular and as exciting as e-commerce was, it was hitting a diminishing marginal return. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I made three predictions. First, I predicted that the e-giants of the East and West, both Alibaba and Amazon, are going to come offline because that you know they're going to run out of space to grow online. They're going to come into the physical yep. world. The second prediction was that they're going to come offline in grocery or food mm -hmm. first, one of these industries first. They're going to do it in both. Why? Because those are the two industries that is most personalized, the most shopping experience that people want to do it. And the third prediction I made is the one prediction that did not come true, um, was that they're going to do it in 2015. Because mm. I, based on the activities that time, I thought this is perfect. And when they come offline, we're going to position ourselves as the technology provider that can offer uh, affordable alternatives to help other retailers compete with the Amazons and Alibabas of the world. They didn't do it till 2017, which yep. is not a good thing for startups. <laughs> yeah. But um, so we we really and we came in and we came in to from the scan and go space instead of what Amazon Go did, which is just grab and go. And the reason we did that uh, and was we know about a camera space, we know about the Amazon Go technology at that time. So the idea, I think, IBM and Microsoft did like a video, like even ten years earlier to show, but it, it didn't take up. So what we thought was what makes the online to offline exciting is not just convenience because you're not going to out convenient not having to leave your home and just click, click and buy. What makes the online offline exciting is the store, the specialty of the store, the experience in person. And part of it is like bringing the personalized capabilities. Um, and the only way you can do that is if you have engagement. Yeah. So that's why we focus on scan and go. We focus on mobile applications so you can engage with the product and join that moment of engagement instead of being annoyed with coupons before or after or on a receipt, you get relevant recommendation at the time of scan, or you can do a lot of other things but everything you can do that's exciting online, offline requires an engagement when you shop and buy and browse. 
So which is why we picked the technology of Scan and Go. And we've been working, you know, we came up with the 2013, we were live at 2015. And now we're on three continents and five retail verticals. Wow. How many, how many, uh, how many retailers are you supporting right now? Well, we said supporting a handful, um, mostly in grocery, because that's the industry we kind of launched. Um, where I joined New York Fashion Tech Lab this year because this is the year we're pushing in fashion and then a global pandemic hits. So that's been slowed down a little bit, but this is definitely something we are really excited and see as fashion reimagine how to make the stores safer and better. We hope to be a big part of that conversation. Yeah, especially at a place like a Trader Joe's when I walk in and every time it's, you know, like an amusement park and, you know, the line just goes around and around and around as opposed to maybe just picking up something and walking out the store and keeping that distance from other consumers, making it faster. That that leads to all kinds of successes on the um, the revenue side for for your clients, I would assume. And and so what about uh, the fashion vertical? What are you looking to gain out of that? What do you, How do you uh, visualize your, your product uh, participating there? We see a lot of first. Um, we see a lot of benefit first in the fast fashion world, the H and M's, the Zara's of the fashion space, because that's most similar to grocery, where they have throughput. They have a lot of people checking mm. in, checking yeah. out. So that is the space we can make things faster. Uh, that is the space we can bring more personalized um, recommendation. So you scan this dress. I can recommend you a jacket, like. And then we can take you to the recommendation area. So we can do a lot of cool space mm. there. I can also see it in like the high-end boutiques, like a wedding place uh, where they sell wedding dresses. You can set up VIP appointments and you can check out while kind of taking in the client what they like, information, and send a message to your clientele when you have relevant dresses that's out again. Got it. Got it. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Now, look... The- I, you know, of course, I, I experienced the the Amazon Go store, but um, the first time I saw, let's say, grab and go, as you phrased it, is um, is at WeWork. Uh, so, you know, it was a WeWork earlier on, and then they they launched these um, honesty markets, uh, and you download an app, and you know, essentially, just pay for the app. You scan it yourself, and you pay for it. Uh, I, I don't think I ever paid for it once. Like, I think I I think I stole two snacks on average a day from WeWork. Um, through my two-year tenure there. So that's, you know, like 700 snacks, let's say, for argument's sake. How, how do you, like, how do you now, uh, you know, can you talk through kind of the checks and balances of how this whole uh, thing will work out when you talk about, you know, higher, um, you know, higher ticketed price items or a full basket of groceries and things of that nature? Yeah, absolutely. And we have the data t- uh, to prove it which is really exciting because we're also in micro markets like the week work, the office space. And we started it in Canada with a uh, natural snack source. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did similar. They replaced the cash in the bucket at that time where you want to buy a snack, you're supposed to put money there mm-hmm. with our app. And after a few months and the data is consistent, what they've noticed is actually a 50% reduction in theft by switching to our technology. And once again, the difference between what we do and the grab and go is there is that engagement piece. When you're engaging, um, it really, and this is a lot of, we spent like a year working on loss prevention from both how, why, how people steal and how can we work with retailers and brands to, to you know, to work with their existing loss prevention policy to make sure that this tool is something that 
can give them the best of the convenient and easy as well as the most secure path. And using an app and having that engagement has proved over and over again to be way more secure, um, both from the psychological point of view, as well as we can actually see, track kind of if there's a normality in behaviors and we can kind of analyze that and using the data to help make things more secure. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's just such a like for me with, with this is a a fundamental change in how a business will operate, right? If they deploy uh grab and go or, or counterless checkout. And if I were a store owner or a retailer, this would be my main concern. What's preventing anyone from just picking up something and walking out the door um, beyond security cameras and, and high touch uh, customer service and merchandise, you know, um, you know, high touch merchandisers and, and customer service on the floor and things like that. You know, I'm sorry, before you even respond, yeah. respond to that, DD, I'd like to point out, Pavan, you know what I'm, I'm thinking of when we were in Copenhagen and the, uh, the, the public transit was completely on an, a bit of an honor system. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was like the, that's in a lot of places. Yeah. yeah I exactly. Mean, it, and, yeah. and, and there is going to be loss. There is going to, there's always going to be a criminal element or bad people or people who forget or whatever. But you know, that happens even now. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'll hop a turnstile like the best of them. You know what I mean? Like in New York, I don't give a shit. I I, like, (laughs) but if you're in a rush, you're in a rush. I'm not sitting at a, you know, I'll just take my chances, cross my fingers and, 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 and get to where I need to go in Berlin. But then when I, sometimes they'll have somebody there that'll randomly check everyone's tickets. Right. Well, this and, is, the, the thing I'm getting at here is this seems to go to the and then I'm going to shut up and let Didi talk, but it, it seems to go to the the place where you started, Didi, which is philosophy and and, and really social behavior and, and yeah. all that. And so now I'm done. So the, the very act of having the app and having that communication will prevent it from a from a mind shift. I guess, that, that's what I think. It discourages the behavior. But that does a little bit, but we also add in other technology to now add we're several oh, layers see? of loss prevention. Now, that's, what I, that's, that's what I'm looking for. What do you got? Yeah. <laughs> we actually, we have the most, you know, I'm like a little under five feet. So I'm a tiny girl. One size does not fit all for me. So okay. I apply that with retail. When you talk about retailers, it's not a one size fit all system. So the micro markets, they start from the honor system. They're not going to install giant, complicated loss prevention tech to add one or two, three, four tiers. But when you move into different space, like in fashion space, for example, we work with NIDA. We can have RFID security. So what happens is when you scan the item, you walk through the checkout area and it connects to the RFID tag and they if it's paid, it deactivates. If anything is not paid, it sets off the alarm. The alarm. You get. So, that, you know, this. That's like one high level, one way mm-hmm. of loss prevention. So in grocery and other stores, um, we have a loss prevention check. So kind of like a security audit. And what's exciting is with more than one year's data, hundreds of thousands of like checks where people check, including people actively flag an item and like look, because we work with the loss prevention officers. They do what they normally do, but now they have an app to make it easier. We have a 99.8% accuracy rate from all of these checks. And that's because we respond and we learn. So essentially everybody have a trust score 
So in the beginning, you're going to get checked more. And once you pass the trust score, you have less, but you always have a random audited probability. And that probability, what makes us different is that that is customizable for the retailers. So a retail store in this area can say, okay, a loss is a big deal. So we're going to make care. People have to get checked more before they pass, you know, the grade. And other area is that, okay, these areas, you know, people time and time again shown it's much easier. Okay, they can uh, scale up and down. And in Europe, we even have like security gates that open when it's good, when it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that is like the flexible loss prevention piece is what makes us really unique and different in the space. That is interesting. You know, like, uh, you know, we had uh, recently, uh, what's the gentleman's name? Mike uh, Colorossi? Yeah, from, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. from Avery. So after we spoke with uh, with Michael Colorossi, I, I actually reached out to Jonathan Aiken, who we've had on the show before, who um, works in uh, Avery Dennison's um, kind of retail and grocery side of things. And, you know, he was telling me about, um, well, first of all, on the RFID side, I'm, I'm assuming you're working or looking to partner with, um, you know, hardware providers or, or tag providers like that. But then on the other side, he was telling me about, um, you know, a robotics company called Symbrobotics uh, and specifically a, um, a product or a robot that they have called Tally. Um, and like, it's amazing to me, like when you talk about keeping stock of things and having like an accurate count on, on items. I mean, this is a, a robot that's walking around your aisles constantly and literally taking inventory, collecting data on where things are moving it into, you know, like huge, huge databases of data. So they could read like where on the shelf is it the, the, the most effective, how much shortage there is, things like that. So Anyway, my long-winded kind of, um, I guess, e- explainer over there is is I'm wondering how you're teaming up with other technology companies to facilitate this. Are you consulting uh, and then, uh, you know, and then bringing in a suite of technology to, to help your clients? Or are you building out some of this tech in-house? We love to collaborate. We believe it takes an ecosystem to actually deliver a truly frictionless checkout experience for both retailers and shoppers. So we have, like, we've been, you know, we've been around since 2013. Retail takes, you know, takes a long time to adopt. It's notorious for having a long sales cycle, especially if you're introducing a new technology. Like the barcode took more than a decade. Even the shopping cart took more than three years just to get people to use it. So while we try to get the market educate, share about this new technology, what we did is we look at the best in class in each of the category and we made a partnership. We have more partnership and more collaboration than anybody else in the space. And that has given us a huge, huge leg up because um, we've been gone. We were able to go to conferences, work with partners, uh, use, you know, we work together. Like it's, Stand, what they have in the store, we make sure we can connect with them. Um, and what we offer to the table is the best experience in mobile tech. Um, our team been making apps literally since the launch of the app store. So there's nobody else in this space that understand mobile as much as we do. So mm-hmm. we really bring something to the table. They bring a lot to the table and we just work together mm-hmm. to deliver this amazing experience for retailers and shoppers. You know, one of the things on your website, Didi, uh, says that you uh, you place people, I, and I'm quoting, people before profits and making sure that what you're producing is a net positive for the world. 
can you uh can can you drive a straight line between what you were just talking about and and that concept and and that goal yeah absolutely so if you look at us compared to a lot of um the traditional standard we're the first company fully transparent you can see my pricing online we're the only company in this retail tech space that doesn't offer any lock-ins. So mostly if you sign a contract, it's a long negotiation contract, which contribute to why the sales cycle can be so long because they want to lock you in for like years. And if it doesn't work, you're still stuck in that negotiation. We're so confident in our technology that any retailer can use it month to month. And if it works, they become our ambassador. Um, and on top of that, like, you know, I think a lot of, I was excited by entrepreneurship. So you, when you come to it, you see like the big names, you know, uh, the Bill Gates with Microsoft, Zuckerberg, and uh, um, all of these people that, you know, um, that created all this amazing thing and they take all of these credit. But as I start working in this space, like zero chance is Didi Chan or my partner Will Halpin. It's not the two of us. Like, sure, we can put our name in front, but like anyone that is successful, any great ideas is not unique. There's like other people with the ideas. And if it's good enough, there is going to be developed at the same time around the globe. But what is unique is the people, is the team, is if you got to attract great people to work with you, to trust in your ideas, to work on this project together, even though they can have like a comfortable job somewhere else, um, that that is what startups can offer because unless you fundraise millions and millions of dollars and have like, you know, unstopped bank account um, and you can, you still can't compete with like the Googles, the Facebook of the packages. Like I've gone to their offices, they give you personal massages. We can't do that, you know? So what we have is people. And if you're going to do a good job, it's, an entire ecosystem of teammates, partners to make it happen. So uh, if this people made us happen, we are always going to prioritize people because they are the ones that make the profit. And we're yeah. very philosophical. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, look, you have, you know, when you go onto your, um, your capabilities uh, page, you have about 16 different um, unique function sets and, um, I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned you know, that you're very much into collaboration and you have a lot of that. What are some of your favorite kind of collaborators then? I'll share with you our latest partners. Um, uh, so right now, and, you know, we are working with Zero. That's a company that does uh, location navigation, which is if you go into a grocery store, you want to find that uh, almond milk and you can't find it. So you can type it and it can take you there. So this also is really relevant in fashion. So if I said I like this dress, I scan it, and then they pop up a recommendation, I want a scarf. Great, wow. I want that scarf. Now with the location navigation, they can show you where the scarf is, so it make it are, easy. Are they doing that through like uh, through smart tags, like beacons, or how are they? How does that work? Okay, so yeah. so so zero is one of them. What what are some other collaborators that you're you're really because it seems as what you yeah. are you're a platform, right? So you you have some internal tech, but you're almost a platform uh, where you're deploying a suite of technology. And you know I've seen this that is all you know related or or, or um, complementary to one another. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what we specialize is the experience between the retailer and the shopper. We specialize in DF. We want to be DF for the retailers. It mm -hmm. can be their white label app or it can be our app that works for them, but we're the app. And inside the app, there's different capability and features in which they can customize, we can make for them themselves, or they can use one of our partners that already have these amazing feature. So another two partners, these are like three partners that we just mm -hmm. recently announced. Um, you know, Hala, uh, they do food recommendations. So they are the company that specialize in like food AI. So it's okay. instead of just giving you, if you want, you get ketchup, they give you like maybe hamburger buns. They actually, their AI uses like recipe and all of this to kind of come up with a taste profile and to really kind of boost that product. So we've been working with Hala in the space as well. Um, we work with Tiltier, which is uh, the first like really smart um, computer vision scale. So you mm -hmm. put an apple on the scale and it you don't even have to type in the it's PLU. An yeah. It sees an apple. So we, we're testing that out. We work with Preserva in the scale space. They're the biggest scale company in fashion. You know, we work with Nidat, that does RFID. They're one of the biggest one. We're talking to a bunch of others you know, as well. So pretty much when we go into the way the partnership comes into is we go into a retailer and the retailer already either have tons of tech deck that they have inside their store and they want us to connect to it. So usually when we connect to a tech, uh, we become partners with them. Oh, sure. another one in the fashion space, uh, Digimark. They're, they're really big, great partners to work with. They have these, you can scan the fabric instead of QR code and it can give you all of the sustainable information. You know, we also work with Standit, which is one of the biggest scanning SDKs. Um, so these are just some samples of partners that we work with that deliver features. We always also work with partners on the back end. That's like the PAW system, like IT retail and um, associated whole food grocer that has like a whole association and many more. As an American, there is no greater privilege and responsibility than choosing who will represent you and your family to determine the course of history, your lives, the economy, your health, your safety. On November 3rd, please choose to vote. To vote early, or if you need an absentee or mail-in ballot, please visit vote.org. Your future self thanks you. Do, do you ever see a world where you're like iOS, where like you're looking for people to develop for your platform? In the future, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right now, we're yeah. just, you know, right now we are happy to, you know, one step of our, at a time, retail tech is a marathon. You have to sustain, you keep going, you work together mm -hmm. with great people in the space and you keep your eye on the mission, make yeah. things easier. Yeah, you know, and with the, how is the acceleration, I guess, um, you know, with digital, um, you know, resulting from, you know, uh, you know, COVID and the result, you know, the, the associated quarantines and um, kind of security measures, how has that affected your business? 
in both both uh both in both directions let's say um it's well prior to covid we have already achieved some of the highest metrics in the space like we've achieved 10% adoption in some of our locations which surpass majority of e-commerce adoption um 10% and meaning 10% of the customers that are coming to those locations are using are you, your app. Yes. Got and it. we had 4.9 stars app store review without buying it organic. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we're very, very proud of, you know, the yeah, how we the got adoption. to where we are. Yeah, the adoption. And we are the only one with like clients that's publicly praising us. We have clients that's talking at ratios about our solution because they like it so much, which helps us a lot. <laughs> and we're really appreciative. Um, and when COVID hits, we've had a huge, huge spike in growth. We went from 10% to over 30% adoption in usage. And um, and one of the things that happened when COVID hit is we, you know, I'm from New York. We're based in New York. We we left New York for a while because we were scared <laughs> at that time. Um but we wanted to use our solution. We wanted a touch-free solution, especially when we have to go grocery store and shop. So, And everybody was trying to find how to adapt, how to adjust to the new normal. So we donated our solution for essential retailers for free, the basic version of it. And, and we also work with big partners, like what can we do? How can we make this easy? And so we actually got a lot of traction that way. And now that things are calming down, you know, COVID is not gone, but like we have people have adjusted and adopted. We are growing, like we've grown more this year than we have the previous six years. So I'm very excited. So, so Didi, on that point, how has the pandemic and its impact, and it, it not just impact on your growth, but the new issues that it's presented or amplified or even reverberated out, out across you know, retail and commerce, how has that impacted the way you're even looking at your own platform and how it it may inspire additional innovation on your part as you say, okay, this was an incredible solution based on the day before the pandemic. Now consumer behavior and expectations have transformed the needs of retailers have changed in this way. The uh, the adoption of e-commerce has changed. That means this is now possible, or that means that this is now a priority where before something else was a priority in our next wave of, you know, uh, version 2.0 or whatever. So any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, well, a funny example is we have to build in limit number of toilet paper and certain supplies you can get in the app. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. So that's a direct response to the pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're very, you know, I think we built the original platforms and we built it in a way where it's customizable and it's responsive to retailers' needs. And what the pandemic happened, and even prior to the pandemic, this year was the year where more and more retailer, when they pick which technology they, they're going to adopt or invest in, like it finally, like 2019 was beginning, really scan and go. That is the mm-hmm. space a lot of, and it, it really start pushing into it. And when the pandemic comes, people are not looking for what innovative solution. They're looking for what works. Do yeah. you have results? Great. 
your solution actually works. You can be validated. There are people that will vouch for you. I can see the results. And it's not just like, you know, I pay for a marketing piece. It's actually organic results. Um, then great. How can we make it work? So the conversation went from what is this? Do we need this? Is this a good idea to wait? This now meets a need. How fast can we now, implement it? What can we do? What do we need? What do we need to do to adjust to make your solution work for us? How can we work together? So the conversation have completely shifted and changed. And, you know, we don't build a lot of we, we come up with a lot of ideas that could be cool, but we don't like implement it until somebody validates it and pays for it and make it happen. So now the validation is coming in every single direction because different clients have different needs, you know, starting with, for sure, we need to limit how much toilet paper you can buy, you know? Yeah. Now, I mean, if, if somebody downloads uh, Future Proof uh, Retail's app, can they then see all the different partners and then shop any store that is powered by Future Proof? Or... If they download the Universal app, Yep. then any store that have the universal app capability turn on, they will uh -huh. be able to shop in it. So when you go Got into it. one store, but what's neat is it's branded to the store. So we're very yep. retail centric. So you've come to store A, it looks like store A. You come to store B, it looks like store B. It never put us as the front end center. We want to be the invisible technology that just make it work. The star is the retailer. It's their business. We're just the person that help make their yep. business easier. I mean, there, there's a case to be said of like, if if I just enjoy as a consumer, like, you know, frictionless checkout generally, and I want to see what other retailers are using it, that might be interesting for me to to download Future Proof Retail and, and see who, who else is on there and, and engage in that capacity. I wonder if that ends up happening as the technology becomes more and more prevalent. Um, one thing that I didn't get clarity on is... We're talking about bringing a digitization to the in-person experience. Um, so taking some of the elements and the um, the frictions that we are eliminated in e-com and bringing it to the, the the physical. But what if um, if you are the app, if you are the app for retailers or grocers, can I still use it just from a purely e-com standpoint? Can I still check out and purchase if there is delivery enabled or pickup or or like curbside pickup or any of that? We do connect to their e-commerce platform and delivery platform. So if you're in okay. Fairway Market, for example, in New York City, if you open some of it, they have to, they have a delivery button. You can connect to their delivery. Um, mm -hmm. We don't do the e-commerce piece. We don't do the fulfillment. That's like a whole other business, yeah. uh, but we connect to it. So, yes. Okay. So you live inside. In, in some instances, you live inside of their native app. And you're facilitating the in-store uh, frictionless checkout and the security and some of the other kind of bells and whistles that go into the physical side. Yeah. So we okay. white label, we can we can embed into their original app, but a lot of our clients, um, we end up merging because there was a time around 2012 where everybody had to have an app. It's like there was a time where everybody had to have e-commerce and everybody did, did their own e-commerce and it didn't work as well. And then they end up using like Shopify or some some other people that specialize in this technology to help make the e-commerce work. The same thing. There's a lot of retail app, but on average, the retail app was at least a star below the average app on the app stores because retailers, they weren't specializing in app making. Um, so we, we've been working with clients. We work with clients that has sometimes multiple apps and we work together and we can work with their app we can also work giving them a new white label app and we can take whatever features they like. 
transfer whichever way they prefer. Got it. And, you know, we were originally introduced through Jackie uh, over at the management partner over at uh, New York Fashion Tech Lab. Um, of course, uh, it started physical and it ended up digital uh, as a result of COVID. You know, I'm wondering if, if you're planning on um, continuing to uh, participate in uh, programs that are, you know, meant for, you know, accelerators or incubators and things of that nature and, and how you're looking at kind of uh, lead gen and growth in, that's, in the next stage of your business. So we haven't done any accelerators. Um, the only New York Fashion Tech Lab was different because it's a business development accelerator. They, they retailers actually pick you. Retailers is part of their network. So we don't go to accelerator that just offer you a mentor and all of these things, which is nice. But like our focus is, can we get business? Um, so New York Fashion Tech Lab is one of the ones I really enjoy, enjoy, appreciate, and Jackie is amazing, and they. We really sit down day one instead of what is a deck? We sit down. What is your business? What can we do? Who do we know? Who wants what you have? And how can we collaborate? So that 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 was a major difference. And um, the only kind that I will participate in would be things like that. That's such great feedback about the New York Fashion Tech Lab. And of course, Jackie as well, who, who we love, whom we love. So um, that's great. Didi, I'm wondering, um, you know, of course, you're building out for kind of what this next wave uh, or the current wave, let's say, of digital and physical experience looks like or retail looks like. And, you know, we were talking to a gentleman, uh, Simeon Siegel, uh, who is a retail analyst. And, you know, something that he said was that, you know, like, we're not going to see the end of it because it's never going to end. Right. We're just going to go through different iterations and eras of of retail. And it's um, it's exciting to kind of project on where it's going to land in five, 10 years from now. So if you were to project what the experience uh, of in-store uh, retail is predominantly going to be and how that emergence of digital will look like. Um, what, what, what is, where is that? Where's your vision? What are you building towards? What are you defending against right now? It's going to be more frictionless. Like all the time that you waste in store, uh, you know, looking for something, the search is going to be easier. Uh, waiting just to check out the wait, we're going to get rid of that. So all of the things you don't like about being in-store experience technology is going to be able to make that better. And everything you do love is going to be able to enhance and personalize and create and be even more unique and special and give you that connection and enable you to express yourself and have fun shopping. Yeah. All right. Uh, that seems like a wonderful moment to pause. And uh, coming up, Didi, we're going to learn a little bit more about you as a human being with some personal questions as we drive headfirst into off the grid questions right after this. Hey, Dresden, do you like to laugh? Oh, Mark, heartily, heartily. Elsie, do you like comedy? Yeah. <laughs> I like to laugh at Elsie. I know, me too. <laughs> well, you can listen to funny people talking every week. It's a podcast, and we talk about humor and comedy, and honestly, we can barely get through a commercial. But I promise you'll have a good time here, and we talk to amazing people, comedians, business amazing. leaders, inspiring people about their lives and about humor. About comedy, we play improv games. Babble. We babble. We talk. Uh, you'll be inspired and you'll laugh. 
That's why he has a co-host. We have. <laughs> that's right. We have great food, celebrity stories, and we always play an improv game. So come on by. You'll have a great time. Funny people talking wherever the best podcasts are found. It is time for... And now, it's time for Questions Off the Grid. With fashion is your business. Oh, yeah. Off the Grid Questions, where we ask questions a little more off the grid, a little more personal in nature. We, uh, Dee, we spin a gigantic, very wonderful prize wheel called the Wheel of Grid Destiny, and it will determine the order of questions I'm going to give that thing a big old spin. And the first question comes from me. Okay. Now my question is this. Uh, You said that you were in New York, then you left New York during the pandemic, and now you're back in New York now. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So my question is, when you left New York and then you came back, what is something that you really missed other than say your, your home, like, you know, a food or a restaurant or a place to go or whatever in New York, when you, while you were not here that you couldn't wait to get back to. And is it still open? And part two of my, and part two of my question is what is no longer in New York <laughs> that you miss that you really are sad about that has gone away. So I guess it's a happy and a sad. What did you come back to and you said, "Yay, it's still here." And what did you hope to come back to and it's not? Well, you know, I'm I'm risk averse when it comes to COVID, so I haven't gone out much. Um, the things I love and miss about New York, number one, the people, the hangout, the friends that I see. And, you know, we have my favorite restaurants and I, I haven't checked to see if they're open because I don't want to be upset right now. <laughs> um, so we haven't really eaten, haven't ate out, haven't done anything yet. Um, been more staying at home. But being in my own space, I can paint more. I can do more creative and just kind of have that empty space to myself rather than being a guest at somebody else's place, um, which is amazing. I'm very grateful, but not the same thing, having that free headspace. So I come back to New York for that free headspace for a little bit more independence. Um, I miss everything about New York that I expect to come back next year. Um, And I'm just waiting for it. Very good. Thank you for that answer. Uh, a tough time for all of us, and there are things we miss. I know there's certainly restaurants uh, we uh, we are going to miss that we know have closed, and you know places you just can't go anymore, things you can't do. But you know the cool thing is, is people have been really creative and creating new things and new experiences that probably wouldn't have come to us so quickly. So there, there's that to look forward to, I guess. All right. Uh, another spin from our very real Wheel of Grid Destiny. And the next question is from Pavin. So you, you're here basically creating uh, magical moments, right, for retail. So frictionless to me is just uh, one of those things as a consumer where I'm like, oh, wow, that was easy, right? Um, I'm wondering what... Um, your relationship 
to retail has been um, as you grew up. So let's take it back to grade school or whatever you may want to say. How has retail and shopping um, kind of, how have you identified with it um, in your childhood and, and growing up? I grew up in a pretty strict household, uh, typical kind of have to get good grades, can't go out, you know, um, all that fun stuff. But used to spend my time when I can at the malls, just hanging out, window shopping, engaging, saving up so I can buy something. I love Christmas. I love gifting and doing secret Santas. Um, so retail is an escape. It's a therapy. It's a fun. I see it more as I'm a, I love to give gifts. So I see it more as like a good way to connect to people. Like I see things, I have people I care about and like, this reminds me of so-and-so and so. And um, I've always have like a gift basket where if I see something that reminds me of someone, I will buy it early. And when it's like a holiday or a birthday, I already have like what a, a great idea ready. Yeah. I want to be that person, Didi. I always try to be that person. I make lists and things for for people, and then uh, their birthday comes and goes. And then <laughs> I never bought it, but I but I had it in a list for them, so it's the same. No, that's incredible. I, I really appreciate that answer. The other side is actually, I, I am curious to hear, um, like, what is kind of the first retail experience that you know took your breath away? That was uh, that was a magical retail experience for you that you could remember. A dream catcher. <laughs> I, uh, oh gosh, I used to have nightmares. This is so embarrassing, but like. <laughs> Let's I talk used to... about it. <laughs> I, I used to have nightmares of like this penguin eating me. It's yep. stupid. It's embarrassing. And like, I did everything, you know, pray and this and that, like candles, nothing worked. Um, and I found this really beautiful purple dream catcher and it was gorgeous. And it had this whole story about catching the dream, bad dream and the spider webs. You know, I, I bought it. It wasn't super expensive, put it next to my lamp and haven't had a nightmare since. I mean, I have pandemic anxiety nightmares, but those are realistic nightmares. That yeah. <laughs> it's not about your yeah. stuffed animal penguin coming to life and eating you anymore. No. <laughs> Wow. Very good. Those emperor penguins are, are large. I don't know if those are the ones that you're referring to. I would assume it's those style, not the aquarium ones, but you know. I, have you ever, have you ever uh, like looked into dream imagery, uh, uh, dream uh, meanings on what a penguin means in a dream? I'm just curious if you ever looked. I haven't because you can really go down that rabbit hole and you can be cursed with a hundred things. I'm like, nah, I just, I just wanted to go away. It's done. Good. Fair. And now it's gone. Yeah. Now it's fair. Gone. fair. Well, would yeah. you, would you like to know what a penguin does mean in a dream? <laughs> Mark, are you resurfacing old anxieties? Is that what's going on? Well, I don't want to make her uncomfortable, but in case it was a point of curiosity, I, I have been at the ready. So, sure, I'm curious. According to this very quick Google find, <laughs> so just to put that in perspective, uh, uh, the penguin dreams reflect a person's honesty, positive attitude, and cool-headed nature. So, if you see a penguin in your dream, it means you're expected to remain calm and cool in an upcoming situation that might be challenging for you. So the dream is a hint to balance your emotions. So if you had a peng always had a dream that a penguin was eating you, uh, you, it's not hard to make a jump of what that might mean, according to that. Yeah. Well, you know, 
one thing I didn't learn till I was an adult that I think should be like everybody should learn, like about emotions and how to manage emotions. It happens in the brain. It's like there's six primary emotions. I didn't learn this till adult. It's like primary colors, and you can like there's a thing called emotional wills. So you can see like if you're angry, it, it leads to like different annoyance reaction. Like another one, like anxiety. Twenty twenty brings out a lot of anxiety in people. Anxiety is a direct response to fear. Like I didn't know that till way too late in life.、Mm-hmm. That would be helpful as a child. So teach your <laughs> kids emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching. That's it. I know. Let's、uh, cut. Let's cut.、Uh, that's interesting. Let's cut. Let's cut gym and like learn have emotional studies in college in high school、mm-hmm. or something. Maybe not gym, but I mean, I think there definitely、cool. needs to be a little bit more humanity and in, involved in education. But exactly. For no、day. question. All right. How can people connect with with you and your company, Didi?、Uh, you can go to our website, futureproofretail dot com, and. Everything is there. You can click a button and connect with us direct there, or you can find me on LinkedIn. D space D I space Chan. Easy enough. Well, Didi Chan, thank you so much for joining us. It really was such a pleasure to get to spend time with you and hear about just the incredible. And it's funny because you know you've been doing this a while, but you still seem so excited, and I love that. It's not even like old hat anymore. It's just like, yay, I get to do this, and that, that's that's a, that's a pretty.、Uh, Too rare a thing and pretty exciting to see. So, good luck and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you. All right, that's it for this episode of Fashion Is Your Business.、Uh, so sad, so sad. But we'll be back with you again next week. And until then, for Pub and Ball, shake it easy, guys. I'm Mark Rayko. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you on the flip side. Bye bye. This has been Fashion Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network, and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Audio for business.